Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is People We Disagree With. Yes, the podcast where Toby and I talk to people we disagree with. Sort of, yeah. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> we, keep, we keep looking for explosive battles and, you know, sound bites that you could put, you know, and go, oh, you know, with a clickbaity title, like, watch these two own. Yeah, exactly. Watch these two liberals own a... But we, do, we keep not getting there, because, no. we keep, because we keep talking to people who we intellectually respect and respectfully disagree with when we do, and it keeps leading to perfectly mature conversation. Lovely chats, basically. Yeah. This is an example, though, of like a big clash conversation that happened once a long time ago. Exactly, yes. The, the, so the, the story behind this, people we disagree with, I will hand it over to you, Toby, because it's your story to tell, but basically... It wasn't necessarily, this wasn't an example of, this isn't a contemporary thing that you, that you were battling the guest about. It was something, it was more like, if I, if I without putting words in your mouth, this was a, uh, a moment of growth for you during your uni years that you thought would be interesting to revisit. Definitely. So when I was at university, I had a, a, a very close friend, and I still am lucky to have a very close friend called Ella Luo. Um, but we were close friends at university, and basically I was, at the time, maybe maybe a slightly less mature person. Uh, but I loved Star Wars, and we had a big chat with Ella about Star Wars. And it had just been announced that, um, you know, not everyone would be white this time. <laughs> uh, and then Ella, at the time, more alive to issues of representation, sort of discussed this with me. He said, oh, but in the old movies, there was this problem. There weren't that many women. There weren't... And I remember at the time, there weren't that women, many women or people of colour. And at the time, I pushed back against this idea and I felt quite sort of... Maybe you felt strangely sort of defensive of Star Wars. Yeah, like, do you have to put, uh, like, equal representation? Like, what are your obligations? I think I fell back on a lot of that kind of stuff. But the truth was I was trying to kind of articulate... Uh, the fact that I felt under attack in some sense, that I was like, I love this. And mm -hmm. you're saying this is kind of morally flawed on some level. So I feel like that reflects badly on me. Yeah. And so Ella and I had this kind of big chat about it. And I remember it for me personally as like quite a, an important moment of... It was like one of, the, one of the kind of biggest 180s I did in the sense that like mm -hmm. I took this on board, I had this whole conversation in which I kind of disagreed, and then, like, I think a couple months down the line, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm wrong, aren't I? Uh, but I think it's been super nice to revisit, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, it was a lovely conversation. I love meeting Ella. And so here we go. Well, nice to, nice to, nice to finally meet you, or meet your voice, Ella. <laughs> yes. A spectral voice in your ear. Um, <laughs> yes, likewise. <laughs> so for a little bit of context for you both, so this might be weird for you, Tim, but Ella actually vaguely knew who you were before I met her. Uh, okay. When, um, when I arrived at uni, that's when I first thought maybe Tim's a superstar because Ella had heard of Project Library <laughs> when I'd first met her. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Is this is this the first time you've ever told him? I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this, ha this, ha this happened eight years ago. Just for context. You just didn't. So you've been sat on that piece of information for eight years. That's like he didn't want to inflate my. You know, almost a third of your life. He didn't want to inflate my ego too much. Probably. You know, like I. I also... Maybe he was just he was just waiting for the moment that. You guys started a podcast. Yeah, yeah no, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this moment was coming. This will be a golden anecdote eight years later. Uh, and for a little bit of context for you, Tim, so Ella and I are friends from university. Um, Ella was doing English at the time and I was doing classics. Uh, and she's now at Lakeland Arts working for a museum in Cumbria. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Very cool. Perfect intro. And sort of the vague prompt that we had in mind for this conversation that I kind of always found funny and that sort of, uh, that stuck with me was, so we were at university together and Tim and I obviously grew up being kind of massive Star Wars nerds, right? So coming to university, 
I think it's the first time that I was like actually challenged on Star Wars not having female representation in it, right? So like Ella and I are chatting, we might be at the pub or we might be somewhere else. I don't remember. But I think it was the first the time it was at the pub? Yes, it was one of our very f first few weeks at uni and we were in the pub and I think, oh, I kind of want to say the first the new films were about to come out and we were talking about those. I'm pretty sure that was the context um, because it, because those the first one came out while we were at uni and I mentioned like, I think I mentioned something on the lines of, oh, I really hope there's more, um, I guess, feel of, yeah, feel of um, representation in the film and that the casting looked really encouraging. And then Toby was like, oh, but what do you mean? And then it, it did feel like telling someone that Santa wasn't real <laughs> in terms of, oh, <laughs> the thing that you like and have liked for a really long time isn't completely perfect yeah yeah and yeah then it became <laughs> increasingly more awkward because I, I didn't think i think it was one of those early early conversations where i was like oh like like any child you like star wars but then i thought oh no as the conversation progressed he really likes star wars <laughs> so it's like it's like someone had a had a like a, had a santa shrine in their room and i was like ruining everything and stamping on everything saying oh actually this is this is not the perfect thing you imagined um and i remember that the <laughs> it got more and more awkward the more i was like oh i, I don't want to back down from this argument but also I quite like you, Toby, so I don't really want to like make a, such a big deal out of it in case it really hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I, I, the, the weird thing about it is like, I, I obviously look back on it now and I'm like, I'm thankful you stuck with it because that conversation, uh, that conversation is like that maybe it was near the start of uni. And I think it is the first time that I was kind of in a position where I had to grapple with just any kind of feminist argument. Um, so it was, it was kind of a learning experience for me in that it, like, I was so clearly, yeah, I felt slightly besieged or under attack. This is the best thing in the world that I'm being told <laughs> that it's not. So that's really hard. But I think it definitely did come at some kind of social awkwardness cost for a while. Like, I think it was something we had to get over as friends. <laughs> I think just for that one night and I think there were some jokes afterwards um, in terms of I guess in terms of like debates that we dwell on I think that me and Toby are very good at elongating a conversation to the point you know where where we we are such good talkers we're very happy to talk about literally anything um, so I, I don't think I think for me it was more of a kind of awkward 18 year old Oh no! I've like I've made I've made like a bad impression in terms of friends. Like I really I really want friends <laughs> at uni. Who knew? And I don't want to I don't want to compromise my feminist values for the, for friendship. But also, um, I mean it's 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 interesting because I can probably I can probably transport myself back into your shoes, Toby, and imagine that because I think these things like obviously these things get like blurry and nuanced because obviously. Princess Leia is like an iconic female character and all these things, but then you you at some point have the like the waterfall moment of like you look back especially at A New Hope and the entire first trilogy, but A New Hope is so egregious where you realize there's not even female extras in like the <laughs> like like that entire <laughs> war room scene at the end is like dudes. <laughs> and you sort of realize like Oh, oh, really? She truly is the only woman in space, like in the first movie, basically. Um, and and I think, yeah. But I don't think that was even the first. Sorry, go on. Um, no, no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I don't think that was even. I, I still had to get my head around the idea that you should have women in movies. Like I think that honestly had never occurred to me mm -hmm. until that point. I just kind of watched it totally uncritically, and the first mental barrier for me was like, oh, so that. So you're saying that movies should have women in? Like, I know that reflects really badly on me now. <laughs> no, but I, I, I know, I know like, what you mean. It's, that was it's the, the first hurdle. It's the status. It's the status quo, right? Like, and, and it's funny because we are, unfortunately, because we're, you know, because because we we're all we're all raised by by this media and culture. But we have there's a there's a, there's a big there was sort of like a study way back about how 
if you put a lot of people of color in the background of a, uh, if you truly made like the background of a scene in New York as make it look the way New York would look to the audience's eyes, it seems like, oh, they put a lot of women and black people in the background of this shot because there's so much subconscious conditioning that the world is predominantly white and male in movies. Like that was like a, you know, even when you're just casting the background <laughs> of a, just putting people who are like walking around in the background, you go, oh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people of color in that shot. And then like, that's just because people are so used to it being the other way. <laughs> yeah, it's probably getting better, but yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm almost hyper-conscious that we come across as three really terrible feminists where it kind of, it, we just emerge out and it's like, oh yeah, things were quite bad back in the day. But um, <laughs> I think, I think we, well, when you consume things as a child, yep. you, you assume everything is true. Like, yeah, like why shouldn't that person um, be the main character? But then I think when you get older, you start to be like, oh, but why are they always the main character? Yep. Um, I think it's that I think it's that um, that study that happened where um, where you when you read a passage you assume the speaker is a man because it it's such an other to have anyone else other than a man be be the, the, the hero or, or the lead um, and I think actually going back to Star Wars I think that it's so interesting what happened with the final film of the trilogy of the new series. Mm-hmm. Of the rise of Skywalker, in terms of how how a institution such as Disney can grapple with not only the legacy but also the future of the fandom, in terms of you know what direction that they wanted it to go in, because it it seems like they looked at a very narrow spectrum of the fan base, but very vocal um, fandom, and then decided, oh, we need to wreck on the entire thing. Because it it just goes to show, it, it just goes to show that they didn't really have a plan in terms of how they wanted to carry on with such a huge product, which is the Star Wars um, multi series. Like it's not just a series of films, is it? It's much more than that. Now it's comics, it's rides, it's you know TV shows, live action shows. It's a whole spectrum of of product. Um, and it's so interesting now that, for example, their new live action series are much more diverse and, and kind of much more nuanced, I suppose, compared to yeah. the blockbuster films. It's as if they they looked at it and was like, oh no, we need to, we need to just change everything. We need to try and please everyone. We'll churn, churn it out and then focus on the other stuff that we can make more money from. <laughs> um, so it's really disappointing for me, actually, because y- you kind of have two kind of good movies and then a, a certain a certain fans looked at them and was like no we hate it all and then in in return we got this awful frankenstein movie (laughs) everything wrong with i guess modern critique and internet culture i I completely i completely agree awful capitalistic yeah yeah. (laughs) we we could turn this we could turn this for the next hour into the rise of skywalker conversation and it sounds like you and i would completely agree on everything uh but 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 also it's it's interesting because if i can you know kind of go back to that sort of inciting incident that Toby talked about. It also sounds like, obviously there's multiple things going on there because honestly it sounds like for you, Toby, also more so than even just accepting the evidence of like, yes, you know, like the original trilogy didn't have enough, like didn't have enough female representation or, you know, uh, racial diversity for that matter. It's, it's It's that thing where you also you know, which I think we all have to do at some point, and I think straight white men probably hit this later than, you know, <laughs> because of society, hit, like, have this, ha- have this happen a bit later generally, but it's the reconciling, oh, this thing I like can be flawed, right? Like, this thing I like for other reasons can also, you know, and you have to sort of be able to go, because I think we, we, especially when we're younger, we, we see things completely binary that way, right? Like, Star Wars is good. <laughs> like, I grew up with it and love it for these reasons. And, yeah. and you had to sort of, it sounds like you just had to wrap your head around the, oh, okay, this is a valid, completely valid criticism of Star Wars, and I can still like it with that in mind. And if anything, like, you know, it's, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you were a good friend, Ella, because that's like the kind of thing that a good friend, <laughs> it sounds like the thing that a good friend does can like kindly bring you around to that perspective. And th- I guess this was kind of what was going to be one of our first sort of 
topics, but that's kind of beautiful what you guys are talking about there because that to me is kind of what university is at its best, right? Like sort of pitching like, oh, you meet different people with different perspectives and you become a more worldly person because you begin to see these things. Like, you know, like like the that's sort of what I think this, the pitch is for what university is supposed to be, <laughs> you know? I and- definitely find it hard now to like pick apart because the Star Wars, not to put too much pressure on, like, <laughs> on on uh, Ella's influence on me as, like, an 18-year-old. <laughs> but, like... Oh, I thought Tim was doing a really good job at stroking my ego. I was like, yeah, I am a good friend. I'm yeah, no, great. Yeah. <laughs> Just to put you down now, Ella. No, but, like, uh, I, I definitely think that, like, it's hard for me to pick apart that discussion from, like, the general process of developing your first principles. <laughs> like, I don't know how moral or how, like, politically involved I was in the world before I came to university. I think I had a sense that I didn't like nationalism, but I didn't think it, I don't think it was much more than that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, before, but I'm pretty much sure before university that my only kind of framework of reference for what feminism was, was like, Lisa in The Simpsons is feminist. That seems kind of good, but it doesn't concern me. I think that's all it was until that point. If I reflect on my experience, I certainly went into uni with, you know, I think similar, like, I don't think I had, I don't think I had any, um, I definitely don't think I had any, like, hate or any, like, bad feelings in my heart towards, you know, like, but, but, but you had these views that you never had questioned or challenged. And then uni, uni is a wonderful place to have that, have that happen. You know, like, I, I would say... You know, I think, when, for instance, this less less on feminism specifically, although although I obviously had growth in that area too over the course of my uni years. But but for instance, you know, I think I I certainly over time have realized like, oh, I was definitely raised with the you know you don't treat a person differently based on the color of their skin and basically the color blindness approach, right? Which I think uni was great because surrounded by a diverse group of friends, like there was, there was sort of a, that view got more nuanced too, right? Like sort of saying like, yes, of course, don't treat a person differently, but also actually seeing and acknowledging that people's experiences are different is actually also part of being an ally, right? Like don't just go, oh, well, I don't treat you differently. So there we go. I did it, you know, like, <laughs> uh, and, and, and stuff like that, you know, again, if, if, you, if, 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 you, you sometimes, it, it's that weird thing where people feel, I guess people feel sort of sometimes attacked, right? Like, which, which again, it sounds like in, in that example, like that's kind of how it felt at first, right? Like, and then it's, it's a great, it's always wonderful if you can have friendships and an environment where you can sort of get to a point where you go, oh, okay, actually, I really do see this from that person's perspective now, you know? But what what that makes me wonder, though, is, like, so obviously for me, this conversation is like, whoa, it's like, you look back on it, it's like, oh, Ella had it all figured out at that time already. <laughs> so, like, do you feel like when you were, when you started uni, you already had, like, a, a, a developed view on, like, race and gender issues? I f- well, come on, I think... Fe- I, no, you don't know anything when you're 18. Uh, well, <laughs> when you, may, maybe when you're at your first year at uni and you're trying to like talk for clout, you do think you know everything at 18. But um, it's it's one of those things where I guess as someone who isn't white and who isn't a man, um, I'm British born Chinese and I'm a girl, like those kinds of things are exposed to you. So racist things, sexist things are exposed to you at quite a young age. And then you have to accept those as part of yourself where I think whiteness isn't, it's sort of considered as the norm. So being told that whiteness could be different to someone else is is strange for someone when, when they're, you know, fully grown because they've never been in that position before. And so when you get told that something that you really like isn't the best thing that you think it is you get this awful sense of doubt in your head where you think does that make me a bad person and you take it as a personal affront or i find that when i bring these kinds of things up they take people take it as a personal affront to their own character where they say oh but i love this like i love this show what's wrong with friends or as as an example i just plucked it out of the thin air but also because i know toby really likes friends um so (laughs) It's, it's one of those things where you have to like almost explain to them 
in a really patient way if you trust them and then maybe in a more annoyed way if you don't like them but it, i guess it's it's one of those things where it's okay to to like something and also critique it because if you don't critique it then you're just being you're just being ignorant willfully ignorant no, towards agreed, it agreed it, it's it's and what you're just describing there the more and more i like you know when, when i started going to like uh when i started going to like therapy later in life and all these things like it's basically just the story in your head is driving everything so for instance when you critique if we go with the friends example or i i, I like to use the simpsons because i really love the simpsons but obviously then the whole conversation around apu and whether or not that was appropriate and you know the problem with apu documentary and all these things and it's interesting because if you find by that point, I think by the time that conversation was happening, I was already, you know, post uni years more open to like hearing all of those things. Right. So, but when you see it was, it would always be interesting to me because when I see people get like vitriolically angry, pushing back, all I'm thinking is you have concluded sort of, you know, you're calling this racist which means The Simpsons is racist, but I like The Simpsons, which means I like a racist thing, so you're t- calling me a racist. Like, the jump that someone, <laughs> the some, like, w- like someone goes, hey, this thing with Apu might not be cool, and you hear, you're a racist and a terrible person. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, that's not yeah. what anyone's saying. But that is exactly what you're getting at. Like, that is what people are hearing. And, you know, I can imagine, I can imagine that, you know, having patience for that must depend (laughs) on how much you like this person. (laughs) I think compared to maybe a decade ago, today's culture does give you so much more opportunity to encounter lots of different diverse storylines, diverse characters. So YouTube is one of the mediums, you know, side eye to Tim's career as a YouTuber. I'm just trying <laughs> to draw on different threads of influence here. But then you also have Netflix, obviously, and the rise of streaming influences and the way that anyone can become an internet prominent character. But then on the downside to that, because you, you, because you do expose so much of yourself on public platforms, then it means you're always up for critique you're always up for evaluation so any kind of innocuous statement in a certain number of characters could be completely misconstrued as something that was like not cool and then you have to do a whole period of like apologizing and reflecting which for some cases is completely valid and then in other cases it has to be a period of reflection which just going back to uni and that period of time where you're just you're still trying to figure stuff out like you don't know everything and you're just being told that the thing you like isn't all it's cracked up to be and if you aired all that out on a public space you might get (laughs) piled down for for you know not being a feminist sooner um but actually you do need that gestation period of trying to figure out you know what where are all the frameworks that i need to kind of gather my own critical thinking Mm. where are all the resources that I can pull from whether that's a book or like a writer or a video that you can just get involved Mm in um so I have a lot of sympathy for maybe today's young people who need to grapple with that a little bit more maybe a bit be a bit more um cautious of of how to express themselves because we've entered into this cultural habit of exposing every, a lot of stuff about ourselves whether that's for income but or just for for clout or or for, i don't know yeah yeah to express yourself i i think that is interesting and, and i think you're hitting on something very interesting because i think that's absolutely like and I, i've wondered before whether it's going to be like <laughs> whether it's going to be total chaos or a great equalizer that everyone is a bit exposed you know because let me put it this way i think i'm sort of part of the generation of you know age and youtubers who i certainly didn't default to oversharing everything by tweet and stuff. Having said all that, there are definitely some sketches where I go, man, I thought that was funny, but that is kind of like, you know, like not, not, oh my God, like horribly problematic, but you know, mm, you know what? That joke isn't well, isn't perfectly well gauged. And it certainly, I certainly went through a period of being terrified that I was any moment away from being canceled. (laughs) Um, But then I sort of remind myself, well, I think as long as you, like, carry yourself with, like, some version of integrity and are willing to, like, say, yep, you know what, that that thing, either either you, you know, and there's always a debate about do you take it down because is that hiding versus, like, just acknowledge it, like, you know what, this, this thing, like, depending on how sc- bad the scale is, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I think we are living in, in like an interesting time for that. And I, I agree. 
I think when I look a couple generations after me, I go like, oh man, you guys have been tweeting every thought you've had since you were, <laughs> since you were 12. That's, that's not a great, that's not a great idea for anyone, <laughs> you know? But I, I wonder then like to what degree, also just for the, I know, I know this is quite petty, but I don't want to be on the record as loving friends. <laughs> I think no, I come for watch sorry, friends, but I'm I don't sorry. love <laughs> Um But like, to what degree do you think that that like, you want to call it degree of enlightenment or like the capacity to self-edit intelligently? Has that gotten better after uni or like, do we basically still use the, the same framework that we had from university years? to 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 do that uh, kind of reflection. Oh, I I feel like that is almost a recipe for self-sabotage if you try to think how do I reach a path of enlightenment because it, it, it because if you say that it's as if it's as if you can reach nirvana of kind of complete like I am the wokest woke, <laughs> I am the <laughs> least racist, least you know, least ist person around and actually it is a path of constant evolving mm -hmm. and constant learning mm -hmm. like, you know you're not supposed to know everything you know you're constantly learning about different identities different ways of life and your own prejudices because you live in a society yeah. um it's that cartoon of um that man who says i think we should change society somewhat and then a man pops out of the well and says oh but you're living in it so it's one of those things where you can't remove yourself from societal prejudice or assumptions or the mistakes of our forebearers because you can't but you can look back and and you can learn and unlearn some of those assumptions and and read more listen to more people um and uni it sounds like is is probably the best start for that in terms of it encourages critical thinking and it encourages you to read widely and um it's one of the reasons why I guess as humanities students, myself and Toby, it it's, it's can be really difficult to hear sometimes how humanities subjects are being dropped or creative subjects are being dropped. I like to think that we're all pretty creative people in some aspects, um, whether that's in our jobs or I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Toby because you're a musician, like you play guitar and like Tim, you're a video creator and I work in um, museums and, and creative organizations. Um, and I do find that we lose a lot of that critical thinking if you don't engage with some aspects of the humanities and to see that being degraded particularly in the UK education system mm -hmm. um, is quite difficult um, because people degrade it and then they say oh you should pursue STEM instead and STEM does does practice critical thinking but not in that kind of way you need both ways for your brain to really um, adjust itself to the world absolutely Definitely. I feel like we should have more things to disagree with because I feel like these might be things we all agree with. <laughs> yeah. I think we've we've accepted that we're not going to like manage to like have a, he a head on confrontation in this podcast. <laughs> Even though we set them up as like, yeah, let's fight. It's like oh, we, we honestly we honestly think it's going to be a bit of a running joke with this podcast is because basically the intro, the intro <laughs> into the conversation is almost always hey, this was a person I disagreed with at some point. And then usually the conversation is like, oh yeah, how are you? I've actually changed my view on that since. Uh, so, so for instance, like one of our first guests was a friend of mine who I think, and I think, I think to be honest, Toby and I, more so than in this conversation where clearly, clearly <laughs> we do kind of all agree. But in that conversation, it was, it was sort of similar where he was sort of a little bit more to, to way dumb it down. He was more pro monarchy than, than we were. Uh, and, and when, when he says, but when I say that the massive caveat is he instantly was like, no, there's so many problems and there's this and there's that. Like it was basically the only area where we, where we maybe subtly like had some very small friction was, should we abolish it? <laughs> like right now? <laughs> like, and so, you know, otherwise you just have this very jovial conversation, but the pitch of the podcast is people we disagree with. <laughs> Well, maybe you need to like scour the internet for maybe a four channel or a Brexiter or like. <laughs> we think about this really stuff, gross. but but do you think we think about this stuff and then we go like, yeah, but but like the point of the 
of these chats is also that they're kind of quite civil and happy. <laughs> and I'm not sure how yeah. how we could do that if we get like, so I'm a racist. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> how am I going to have a civil chat now? Like, and also, I guess the funny thing with that conversation is we sort of realized, well, that's probably just going to be Toby and I repeating liberal hot points versus them <laughs> re- repeating conservative talking points. And then, great, there we go. <laughs> like, it would be... But I was gonna, I was going to... But on this kind of topic of speaking to people you just like speaking with people you disagree with. So like often in conversation, it's something everyone always says, oh, people will just say their own thing and then go back to thinking what they thought. And that chat with Ella at university is like something I hold in quite high esteem and that it's like an example of something that slowly I think it took it took me. I think it took me weeks, if not months to kind of fully kind of grasp what it meant or how how to interpret oh if she's right then this is how my views have to change um this is like, this is the first time you've ever told me this is that true you do realize <laughs> well i think of it as a high compliment it's like it really got the ball uh, the ball rolling on like actually changing my mind in quite a sort of thought in, in a way that's like intellectually organized i was wrong and now i need to think about the implications of that um, wow. but like, does that, do you, I was going to ask, do I, do either of you have like an example of a chat where that really challenged you where it was like, this is hard. Now I'm going to have to actually re-examine this whole thing. I do. I think that also at uni. Um, so it was an, it was a conversation I had with my ex, um, and he mentioned it was at uni and he said that something along the lines of how vegetarianism was the future and that everyone would eventually be vegetarian. And to my mind, I thought that was preposterous because I said, well, loads of people will still want to eat meat regardless. Um, So regardless if the world is boiling, which it is currently, and regardless of whether it was the the moral ethical thing, um, but now that I guess we're in 2021, I I definitely see what what he was trying to say and where he was going with it in terms of the future of more vegan options, vegetarian options, it being a much more, I guess in like the mid thousands, it was just a joke to be a vegetarian, I think. Whereas now it's, it's an acceptable lifestyle, which it all, of course should have always been. Um, but I think that lifestyle change with it being the ethical, most environmentally friendly way to to eat, um, definitely. I think it's just because I grew up in a household where eating meat was standard. So all the recipes that we had had meat in it in some in some aspects. Even the even the vegetable only dishes had a meat sauce to it. Where so it was either made from fish or shellfish um oxtail that kind of thing so to my mind if if my parents or their culture couldn't adjust then how could anyone else possibly adjust but again a really flawed argument because i actually follow loads of um kind of chefs who are kind of this generation's up and coming um kind of i guess instagram people who who offer traditional recipes but a vegan or vegetarian or use less meat in that aspect. So I think that's what, that was one of those things where maybe not at the time, but definitely over a period of a few years, I eventually saw exactly what he meant. So yes, Toby took a month, but I took a very long time. <laughs> I say a month. Time, I, might, for, for I have no idea if a month is accurate because that's also the thing is like nobody, or at least very few people are intelligent enough or super quick that they could in I don't know any yeah. maybe I don't really know anybody who in a conversation is fast enough on like a really deep disagreement to to see that they're wrong and turn around. So I think it's normal that that's like a process that settles in slowly. Yeah. I think I would agree. I would agree. I think. I think. Like. I don't think exactly. I, like. Any, it. It's. It, it's. It's honestly kind of concerning if like something, like something you've really strongly felt. If you're able to just switch, that would be like interesting. Like it's like like the fact that, <laughs> the fact that we're both describing like that we're all describing like you know an extended period of time. It's like well yeah because if you. If you were truly challenged on something you didn't think about otherwise, of course you're going to spend time thinking about it because your brain has to wrap its head around this like new reality, this like new information that you now have. Also, to your point, Ella, I would agree. I actually, it's funny. <laughs> I I always like bringing up the argument, and I, I had a similar thing 
with vegetarianism and vegan uh, diets and all of that. That's where I sort of <laughs> like I'm always like, yeah, you can't really win an argument with a with with someone who who is preaching that you actually really can't like whether it's from from <laughs> from a health perspective or from a uh you know environmental perspective for like where we should be going in the future like your only argument and this is fine but be intellectually honest about it is but i like me <laughs> that's like that's only yeah, your actual argument like <laughs> you know i think that when we when we have a debate or a conversation and you change your mind i i think psychologically for me it's seen as a loss because in terms of debating that's seen as a very binary i guess dialogue of you're either in the right or you're either in the wrong and i think that happens a lot more now i guess over the internet as a platform and you don't want to, I guess, renew your pride and say, oh, yeah, you were right, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Because I, 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 it doesn't really warrant an apology, but you almost, but you almost want to apologise mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, I finally see your point of view. Um, and it can be really hard to be quite open about it in terms of, oh, yeah, I was wrong in my, in, in my past life of, over something. Um, and I think that it's so strange because... Um, for simple arguments of I don't know I hate the colour blue and then someone and someone finally convinces you blue is a nice colour those kinds of arguments don't really warrant much of your pride getting lost but then when it comes to that was another intense argument we had (laughs) (laughs) Ella notoriously hated blue (laughs) well one for the history books, I think. <laughs> really intense. Um, but I, I, I guess, again, it goes back to your, I guess, your repu- your reputation from either a moral standpoint or or anything to do with how you are seen publicly. Yeah. I think that ends up becoming a reflection of your character if you say something that's a little bit untoward or something that, that people disagree with. Yeah. Because I think it's that human instinct of wanting to be liked. Absolutely. Like you want people to approve of your actions. And it's your it's your sense of self. You know, I like to think I am a, like, whatever, right? right? Like, I like to think I am a good person. Hey, this thing you did is, you know, not woke in some way. Oh, but being, <laughs> but, but being not woke is bad. So you're calling, so, so am I a bad person? <laughs> that's, that's where your brain like that's that's what you have to sort of like wrap your head around when you when you are confronted with this thing you thought might not be great right like like and and it's kind of it's it's the it's the sort of bigger more profound version of what we were talking about earlier where it's okay this piece of entertainment that i liked and i have emotions connected to but then you you have the the layer underneath that which is you know which which is obviously connected right like in the star wars case it's like underneath that lies your views on feminism and your views on equality and 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 being told by extension you had to you had to realize oh i've 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 had this blind spot here <laughs> and so technically in some ways i was part of the problem but that's what bad people do <laughs> so am i bad and then you have to you have to work your way through that emotionally, you know, and intellectually. There's like an element though of like, this is going to make me sound like too high-minded, but like it's some, it's something I do consciously think about. Like I'm, I want to be a good person. I put effort into being a nice person. So like the idea that you're failing at that, that's quite, that's quite a sort of uh, a really challenging idea because it's like at the core of what you want to be as a person. Like I'm, I would like to be nice. That's something I strive towards. But there's, well, there's I a... hate to break it to you, Toby, but you're you're failing right now. Yeah, I don't think you can because it's a good night. I'm joking. Though. That's harsh, Ella. It's, it's hurtful, man. <laughs> but um, I was going to say, there's something about pop culture though that makes people extra vulnerable because that's not the part of your brain that's engaged. That I'm being nice part of your brain is not what you're engaging in when you're when you're like relaxing or when you're trying to watch what you like and enjoy you're in a much lower register. So you kind of, it's, it's kind of even hard yeah, to accept it Yeah, it can catch there. you off guard, can't it? Yeah. 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 But I love this thing. I guess, because, I guess, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. So I was just going to say, I was just putting into like, but I loved this Disney thing. I have all these positive childhood <laughs> memories attached to it. Why are you attacking it? Like, you know, like, like it, it's, 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 it's like you said, you're, you're, <laughs> 
you're going into the world and you're like, yeah, of course, equality and all these things. Wait, this thing I liked is part of the problem? No. Like, like you said, it, it, it's like a blind spot. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think something does go back to childhood, actually, for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, back, to, back to entertainment and pop culture about what you enjoy doing and... I think your childhood, hopefully, will have some of the best parts of your life. Childhood is probably your most vivid sources of memory in terms of of where you go to mine your character, your personality. Like, oh, I I found this really funny as a child, and that was really influential influential in my own sense of humor. Um, so I think that whole undermining of that, if if someone tells you oh, this has certain problems to it, could be both a personal attack at the time, but also a much more deeper one of kind mm-hmm. of, have I been raised wrong in terms of, mm-hmm. this is something that I've liked since I was five or six years old, and to suddenly be told decades later, you know, I, I think that I feel like maybe to taking it to the nth degree and maybe taking Toby's high-mindedness and then taking it to the highest mind possible, um, how it might undermine your whole character and your whole sense of self, just going back to what Tim said before. Um, because those are your, your, your most vivid and hopefully most happy memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think for me over time, like I like to re-watch stuff. So things that I watched as a child, I like to re-watch again and, and at different parts of my life because you see things differently compared to how you did, did as a child. So I think that really helped. Just going back to what Toby asked me of how did your thought process and can maybe your critical mindset form. And maybe because I, I am a, I'm very much an overthinker, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is basically the perfect degree would be English for overthinkers. <laughs> um, it's one of those aspects where... I'm always eager to mine for new ways of looking at something, you know, turning it over to another side. Um, so, may, so maybe when I when I watch stuff, I'm more eager to find fault in it. And may, and yeah, that's something that I do in daily life anyway. I overthink everything. <laughs> you, t- it started off as a virtue, and now it seems like a vice. <laughs> oh, that, well, that's the overthinking thing where I managed to see it as both yeah. yeah I have to invert this positive thing somehow yeah um, I mean it's, it's the British way it's the... yeah it's it's funny because you know it's actually interesting because I don't I always think this is kind of an interesting example but what we've been talking about the sort of the sense of self and what's kind of connected in it it's like I always feel like I notice it and it's interesting with this one because I think Toby and I have always had a slightly interesting foothold in this particular debate because we, you know, like were, spe- were, were for a decent portion of our childhood raised in Belgium. So we, we were sort of very, uh, very like directly exposed to the cultural, like all the Black Pete stuff around, uh, around December 6th. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I don't think Toby or I struggled too much to go, yeah, you know what? Actually, that's not cool but it's really interesting because i think we have family members and friends who it's so it's exactly what we were just talking about about how those it's those early childhood memories that make it very difficult for them to be able to step outside of themselves and go maybe 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 not <laughs> like <laughs> um, and it's just and it's just really interesting because i think maybe part of it is because again we were children of two cultures and we and we have lived in lots of different places and have lots of like it was it wasn't too hard i think for us to like wrap our heads around it but it's I, it's just interesting i think there's something Something that I worry about there, and maybe this this good question for you, Ella. But like, so growing up, I often I fairly quickly settled on. I think Britain has a slightly is slightly ahead of Belgium in terms of discussions on race. Right, that's a kind of opinion I formed fairly early on. But there's a cynical take on that as well, which is Britain has made this progress because it was an empire. In other words, it's now more multiracial a place than a lot of other places and therefore has grappled with these things a little bit more than some of the I mean, uh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, France, in some respects, has a modern empire. Um, You know, Europe, not only Britain, is complicit in its own pursuit of building an empire in in the same way. But like, I think it's more insidious in Britain. The racism in Britain is much more 
insidious. I mean, if you compare it to, for example, Australia, which is kind of so openly racist, you kind of almost have to give them credit for it. Um, comparing that to maybe, I guess, when you dilute it a little, you get the kind of the European racism where, it might, you know, it might come out a little bit, but on the whole, they like to think of themselves as progressive. And then Britain, I guess, I think it's it's so insidiously intertwined with class and um, it's such a difficult, mushy, awful thing to have to untangle because thinking back to last year's, I think it was last year's whole debate about statues, about how those were pillars of, of nationalism and how people couldn't, they couldn't unpick the whole idea of for example, Churchill being a war hero, but also being racist. Like they couldn't have it both ways. They couldn't see it as mm-hmm. as him being a more three dimensional character, other than yes, he he won us the war, and also he was a horrible racist who wanted to yeah. So it's really really difficult, I think, in Britain to talk about it properly but i think we do have the right intentions in mind we do have the right like i guess the mechanics and the tools to able to be able to work on this problem that we have with with maybe a bit more nuance and self-awareness um that's my opinion i mean when when i go back to china i almost have to take take a step back because out of myself because I've had conversations with people where they're so racist um, that I just, I have nothing to say. Like I had a friend, I I met, um, you know, those things where you meet your parents, friends of friends of friends when you go abroad and you're like, I have no idea how you're connected to me, but I have to talk to you. I don't know if you have those experiences. (laughs) And are you saying that then in those conversations, like sometimes the, some of those views you know that 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 you sort of stumble stumble into from from that generation, but they're sort of friends of the parents and stuff. I definitely have an example of that. If if that's kind of the 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 way we're the way the uh... well, the example that I think of is this: the, the person I had to talk to had a daughter, and they and I think she went to university in Canada in the end. But basically, she didn't want her 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 daughter going to New York because she was afraid that a black person would mug her there or something or a black person would shoot her there it was something along those lines and it was one of those things where it was so like left like left of field racist that you just don't see it coming almost Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) like I've had interactions with with people who've said racist stuff at me and they're kind of open straight straight on the nose I can I can catch it. I'm 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 expecting it kind of thing. And then the way the way she went about her racism was called sort of walking walking around it and then going for the jugular from the side. <laughs> um, is the way that I see it. I'm so I'm so shocked you haven't had these kind of, of interactions I, where like they're vaguely related to you in some way. Yeah, but no, I definitely met have. them when you were two, and I don't know. Yeah, I, I I can actually think of a time. I can think of a time with, uh, and it was actually more recent, but and you know I won't name names or whatever. But yeah, it was a it was a friend of the family, uh, sort of sitting down and just and it was it just did surprise me the way it came out, like you said, it sort of, cause I'm used to having to sort of detect, oh, this person, you know, like, like, you know, I, in America, I've listened to people talk about, you know, oh, you know, talking about why they own a gun or whatever. And like, it's coded to be like, okay, there's like, there's an uncomfortable racial undertone here, but, but it's not being said explicitly. Uh, but then this was an example where, it was basically, it was basically sort of, again, friend of the family, and he was talking about a Belgian football player. And it was just, it was so casual the way it was thrown in uh, about like, oh, you know, I don't understand why he has this gorgeous, gorgeous, like, uh, girlfriend because he's an ugly and then, yeah, black person. But he used a word, <gasps> a worse word. And I remember just like, I was so stunned because like you said, it was one of those like, oh my God, like, 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 so it was, it was like, uh, I, I felt like, I felt like I'd been transported back in time to just how casually it was used. And sometimes it's a sort of a reminder, right? Because, you know, we all, you know, we, 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 we I imagine we all kind of, you know, operate in 
circles of people who we like to be around and sort of have a diverse selection of friends and all that, you know, we kind of, it's the bubble thing, right? Like I sort of, I, I was shocked because I was like, oh, I remember that. I, I, I had to remind myself like, oh, this is a thing. <laughs> this is a thing that people like still say. And, you know, I don't know. It, it, it was, um, do you, do you, Tim, encounter any xenophobia when you're in America? Or are you seen as a kind of cool European when you're in America? Yeah, I would, you know, to, con- to, to be very fair about that. Yeah, I think, I think I, if anything, benefit from sort of exactly, I'm sort of a, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm the right kind of exotic, right? Like, oh, he's like a Brit- British, <laughs> British Belgian guy. Okay. Like he's not just generic white American. He's like kind of a different flavor. And, and, and if anything, it plays in my benefit uh, with the accent and, and which is actually so funny that the accent, I always like to, I always feel like I have to sort of go back to this and go, it's so strange that the accent is a source of popularity here because when you think of our history, it absolutely shouldn't be. <laughs> um, uh, but um yeah, like, I think in America, I've certainly learned from being here that, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of, there's, there's certainly a lot of nuance to the whole melting pot thing in America. Like, even just, you know, um, you know, I was, uh, I, I, I was, uh, I was in a relationship for five years and married for two years to, uh, someone who was, uh, Mexican and sort of, learning about the tensions between sometimes within different communities of color, right? Like how, how, you know, the Latino community actually yeah. had historic tension with the black community and how, uh, you know, and, and then actually in the, in the midst of the, the George Floyd stuff, you know, Hassan Minaj made a really interesting point about what it's, you know, uh, from the Asian community's perspective and, you know, how that has all kinds of history all the way back to, you know, um, like around the time, yeah, like that, that, that there's sort of these really interesting echoes of how it really isn't as clean as we sometimes, again, probably through movies and we, we portray things as very simple, but the, the, the sort of the melting pot thing here is very nuanced. And it, part of it is also because everyone holds on to their identity in a really strong way. Like, you know, it's the, you know, it's, it's easy to poke fun at, but you know, the people here who are like, that like six generations have been living in America, but they still are like, I'm Irish, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, like they, people really hold on to these, like, um, and, and, and that's true across the board, like every community, like there's a lot of like, you know, talking about issues and like community building. And, and, and it's something that like, I've, I, you know, had to sort of, learn to appreciate if that makes any sense like sort of appreciate and then also see like oh this is um layered and complex in a way that that you don't really get until you like truly live amongst it you know yeah i guess it circles back to i guess if if i if i may bring it back to things that people disagree with um i guess what we've been talking about over the, over the past few minutes has been i, I guess your national identity mm-hmm. or or your where 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 your roots are if you if you take the kind of greek literal translation um because you would assume that if that that your national that your nation sorry your national identity is something that would be self-assigned um in terms of oh i grew up here but i'm from here mm-hmm. um but then i guess when well for, i guess a really good example would be um I grew up in and was born in the north of England, but then when someone from I don't know Birmingham might say that I that they grew up in the north, I'll be like, "No, you didn't. <laughs> Go away. You're, like, you're not northern." <laughs> and draw yeah. a line in the sand of like, "I'm the authority of this. You are not this. Like, how dare you try and like tell me that you're northern?" Um, and so, so, so uh, yeah, it's really interesting that that Toby had that anecdote about how you're not proper British because he's made the assumption that, yeah, I know enough about you to know that you're not X. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Chinese, I'm probably going to say, I'm, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but colloquially, when when you ask someone, where did they grow up? Um, or where, where were they born? The literal translation is, um, where did you come out small? like almost a kind of like where did you come out as a child Uh almost into this world right right um i think that's a that's a really interesting phrase because um it, it kind of suggests that where you start off in your childhood is the place where you you came into existence which is literally true i suppose but i guess i've never really thought about it in in english before um because everyone assumes that 
when you grow up you stay in a certain place i think maybe in the uk people assume that um definitely definitely no that's really interesting yeah like i i i'd heard the I'd, I'd never heard that particular, I'd never heard that particular question before, but that's an interesting way to like ask that question. Like, I remember I once watched like a Ted talk where it was this, like, it was this thing, um, mum had shared like a way back, which was all about this idea of, uh, that almost instead of asking, where are you from? Like, what if, what if, what if we asked, which is interesting because it allows more for the like self-chosen identity but it's like where do you call home <laughs> was like an interesting like mm. uh because that way you get to say oh you know like london or like when i'm like whatever you can you can choose that one <laughs> you know what i mean um but i find i i don't know it, it, it's yeah it's really interesting how those things how those things intersect <laughs> but that's one of the most liberating things about being abroad though is because what you were saying earlier Ella, about sort of somebody from birmingham is like people only second guess people in their own country Right? You would only ever second guess somebody's answer if they're from the same country as you. Whereas when you're abroad, people don't second guess your answers quite as much. <laughs> it's like, I know nothing about your country. So like, I'll take what you say at face value. Yep. Well, actually, I guess, I guess if we bring this to a sense of circularity, which I think Toby knows is one of my favourite things to do. Um, <laughs> when, when we were at uni, I had no idea that you grew up in Belgium and I think you were quite gratified because I just couldn't I just could I didn't detect the accent <laughs> I don't know if it's because I kept talking over you and I just couldn't hear it but I remember you saying that you were quite pleased with that like in in terms of I guess the word would be like the foreignness of an accent but I just didn't detect any of that whereas for my accent like bearing in mind it's just like a generic northern accent people were saying are you from Canada because the, oh. there were so few people from the north of England from uni that they just assumed, oh, you must be from a really far away place because I can't detect where you're from at all. <laughs> that's, that's that's wild. Crazy. Yeah, I've I've always had a bit of a chameleon accent thing going on. So I've been I've been asked truly anything. I've been asked, are you from Canada? Are you from Australia? Are you from America? Are you from the UK and 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 I've even called people out on it when when once people have once or twice been like I could detect a bit of Belgian in there and I was like bullshit you knew that after you, you knew that after I told you <laughs> you like you know what I mean like it's this like um, but yeah it's uh, uh, no it's it's it it is interesting and I actually do also think I think at uni you're almost forced to because I, I like this full circle idea <laughs> good job <laughs> uh, but 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 I, at uni you're also forced to start having an answer to that stuff because you're gonna bump into so many yeah. different people who are going to ask right like that's like obviously you know again like we lived in different places growing up at different times so we kind of had to do a bit of it but you're still you know in that high school, in that wherever it is, you know, that's where you, um, that's where you reside. But then at uni, you start, everyone has a bit of a story. So you need to kind of start honing in on like what your answer is to it, you know? And it was interesting because that evolved for me over time. Like uni, undergrad, you know, I, I usually gave the whole spiel of like, well, I'm British and Belgian and, blah, blah, and my mom's this, my dad's this, and I would do the whole thing. And then in, in America, I simplified it to, Oh, I'm from London, because that was where I most recently moved from. <laughs> and then I kind of thought, oh, I'll get into the specific cultural stuff if it's a proper conversation. But London was a nice, if I didn't want to go into detail, <laughs> I could just go, yeah, I moved from London. I'm from London. <laughs> um, so, you know. It's so interesting talking to, to Americans about geography and distance, because to them, like driving 40 miles is nothing yeah, yeah. whereas to me that would be unthinkable but then you think oh yes of course because texas is probably i think something, something crazy like 10 times bigger than, than, than the uk yeah. the whole of the uk um so talking to them about where you're from you just say oh like it's about oh about 120 miles north of london yeah, yeah <laughs> and then yeah. they go okay we get it <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny the 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 um I, I recently, it's actually funny because like two days ago I went and had some like Belgian beers with a group of, uh, with a group of Belgians who are like a Belgian guy and his wife. And then, the, you know, the, he, he knew, knows this other guy from Holland who's like all these things. And it was funny because I was like, ah, oh, I found my snooty Europeans club where we can sit and, and we can, com <laughs> and we can complain about how the cheese isn't as good here, <laughs> like about important European issues. <laughs> Um, but it was really funny because the history, the, the, the way that came about, which is also kind of interesting and again, subtle cultural thing, 
But when I bump into fellow English people here, uh, you know, we have a bit of like, oh, mate, yeah, where are you from? And, you know, and we, and we shoot the shit. But, but there's enough of us. There's enough of us that it isn't a big deal. Like, and we probably all subtly prefer being the only English person in the room. <laughs> so there's no, there's no, there's no like instincts to like meet up. And I don't know, whereas it was really interesting because when I bumped into this Belgian person at like a karaoke night and they, and they saw me ordering a Stella and she was like, oh, good, it's from Belgium. And then I was like, oh, I'm part Belgian. And we started speaking in Dutch. Then we did have this thing of like, you were so rare <laughs> that I was like, oh, we should hang out. <laughs> so it's again, it's a funny, it's a funny little. But that gets into the larger problem of like, there is just a general rule in the world that British people get too much prestige, right? So like yeah. the, the reaction oh, yeah. is an unjustified sure. positive reaction, <laughs> which like just separates you off and kind of makes, if it puts you in a position of like, I'm getting this dumb power from this uh, from this situation, but also doesn't incentivize me to find other British people because now I'm incentivized to kind of uh, just enjoy the fact that people are... And even in Greece, that like... Because I've tried out both in Greece, being like, I'm Belgian or I'm British. And British gets like, oh, that's... Oh, London, oh, that's interesting. And people will get quite interested, whereas Belgian gets like uh, a question mark. Yeah. Like, and in a way, I kind of prefer that now, like, because... I don't want to get the gushing British stuff. <laughs> it's like, I don't respond to You're it like, that You're like, please, well no paparazzi. I don't want all this attention. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, more, it's more like it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like, we were just, like, uh, like we were just really racist to our football team. I'm not very proud of that part of my identity right now. Can we stop about it? <laughs> I, I, I honestly think it's because people think we sound nice. <laughs> Um, yeah. honestly, in terms of, I guess, the, the way we speak. And I think the, I guess it's, it's that soft culture thing, which I find really interesting in terms of what, what kind of image do we want to project? It's so interesting, actually, that Boris Johnson spoke recently about the kind of TV shows we should be producing, such as, oh God, I think it was Fleabag, um, and I want to say Derry Girls, but it's so interesting because Derry Girls is Northern Irish. Um, but it's so interesting about the way that we want ourselves to be perceived on a global platform. I remember when Sherlock came out, that caused a huge sensation over in um, China, but also across other parts of the world. I think that we do really well in projecting a certain history of our aristocracy, maybe, yeah. on onto like our platforms brand, and our yeah. and our products our tv shows i think that yeah. has a certain captivation to it even the crown like yes mm, i definitely. don't understand the hype around the crown i watched half an episode and i was like i love the costumes but i hate everything else about the show we are <laughs> but we, i can totally see wow how popular you're it completely is. right you're completely right and it's very interesting because as someone in and technically it's funny because you know I'll, I'll i'll turn it into a into a subtle sort of like anecdote that's very very specific but but you're completely right it's it's like we are historically excellent exporters of our culture because like what is James Bond for, for, for Queen and Country and, and like Harry Potter sort of like, like, like we, we, we sort of export Britishness, a very specific, very specific packaged yeah. version of it incredibly well. And it's a big reason why the culture has that. And it's actually interesting because I'm, I'm currently trying to put together this like musical that would take place in kind of like a fictitious Northern English sea town, kind of like Robin Hood's Bay where we used to summer as children. And it's really interesting because I'm realizing as I'm talking to it, when I do get positive reactions from Americans, it's because it's hitting that same funny bone for them where it's sort of, mm. oh, it's, it's kind of what they like to think a small English yeah. town is, you know what I mean? Like, like the, uh, and, and, and it's very, and it's interesting because my hope is that I can then do something like interesting with that. But I realize it's very real. Like that sort of that impact, uh, again, when people get excited about it, cause I won't go into the whole pitch, but like, it's basically, it's like a town where there are, <laughs> there's a, it's a town where people have the magical ability. Some of its citizens have the magical ability to spread song and dance through touch. But I'm like, tapping into that kind of like, ooh, it's like a quirky, like, English town where they have a very old custom that goes back years and years. And, like, the reason that appeals to Americans is because it's their fantasy of, like, a cobbled street where you can go and that exists. <laughs> like, um, so, I don't know. It's, it's, 
long-winded way of saying you're, you're completely right. And I, and I see that as someone who, you know, is, is operating in media over here. Um, but the, the bit I struggle with is that it also feels quite ideologically loaded, right? So, like, the, yeah. the Harry Potter and the Crown thing, that's, I feel like on some level that's the same brand that Boris Johnson draws on when he makes dumb jokes at the UN and, like, when he's overly wordy. It's like... Mm -hmm. There's a, it's, it's Hugh Grant. It's, it's the Hugh Grant rom com persona from the nineties, but yeah. <laughs> bloated and bigoted and so much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is the vibe that I get. Um, I, you know, I think of Hugh Grant as like the bumbling, affable, has a bit of the has a bit of the gentry about him, but is really okay. lovely and funny and awkward and not and not intimidating or loud persona that's so prevalent in a lot of romances but that star british men i suppose is the lead mm -hmm. um yeah and it's and it's dangerous now with, with boris johnson as as prime minister yeah. but it obviously means something completely else for the people abroad who are like who, who take an interest in it so i was recently on a date and the girl was like oh i really love downton abbey and i'm like i don't I kind of don't watch it on principle because <laughs> I don't want to watch that or the crowd or any of that stuff. But I see that for me, these negative associations exist, but they just don't for you in the same way that like, I reckon, you know, Chinese people who like Sherlock don't see a class element to it in the way that maybe British people do or don't yeah. see that. Well, Sherlock, Sherlock has a very interesting fan history, but I feel like that's a really long-winded podcast by that point. The more important <laughs> question is, did, did the date go well? The date went really well, yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but obviously her love for Downton Abbey didn't, didn't obscure anything too, too deep. No, no, it didn't. It's, I could move past it, you know, which is... Uh... <laughs> Intellectual flexibility. The most important thing. But, but I think I think I'm also like I'm also victim to it as well. I love your your Austin romance as much as anyone, and I know how popular those are as well. Like those kind of Regency romances. I'm looking specifically at Bridgerton, which is one of those repackaged, redone, obviously not accurate, but takes the spirit of a Regency romance. And again, that's such a powerful sense of the Britishness that people seem to cover and consume with a lot of, yeah, with a lot of um, enthusiasm. Um, so yeah, I, I partake in it and I also see the, see the bad stuff in it as well. Just like Timothy oh. and Star Wars. Oh, there we go. Full circle. Oh, there we go. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think we nailed it. That yeah. can be a big high five moment. <laughs>